you know, it's it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. So I would say, forget about in and out of the market and bubbles, and just put a plan in place and just block out the noise. As a disclaimer, the opinions stated on this podcast are the analysts and the guests and do not represent BLK or its sponsors. Uh, hello and welcome to the BLK podcast. My name is EOL Castledarge. I am a research equity analyst at BLK. With me today is Amine, and she will introduce our guests. Hey everyone, um, like you said, I'm Mine Daly. I'm a junior at Georgetown University and an equity analyst researcher at BLK. I'm super excited to be introducing our guest, Jerry O'Reilly from Vanguard. Um, Mr. O'Reilly has been working with Vanguard for almost 30 years and is a portfolio manager there. So really excited to be Great. Well, thank you. Thank you both very much for inviting me on. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the discussion. So, uh, yeah, let's hope it's a, it's a good informative next uh, hour or whatever we have together. Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, yeah. Just to give the listeners kind of a, a, of a background about yourself, uh, where did your interest in finance begin and how did you get to the position to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. Well, it um, it happened with me uh, probably a little later in life. I actually grew up in Ireland um, and came over to the U.S. Um, uh, a university that you might know a little bit about. My name. I went to uh, Villanova University, so there's a little bit of a rivalry there. But <laughs> I remember basketball. Yeah. Yeah. So I came over on a on a track scholarship to Villanova and. Um, you know, like any freshman, I, I, I wasn't, I, I, I thought I wanted to um, study business, but I didn't know within the business field what area I wanted to get into. And um, I just had a, um, you know, after going through a couple of economics classes, I, I kind of, it got to a point where I just had a comfort level with some of the teachers I had. I kind of understood when they would be, you know, doing their graphs, how this whole thing kind of worked. So I kind of decided that economics was the way I wanted to go. I knew for sure I didn't want to do accounting. That was one certainty. And just economics kind of made more sense to me. I enjoyed reading about it. I enjoyed kind of, you know, understanding it. And um, so that's kind of what got me into, you know, economics. And then I would say finance, um, it wasn't until I started working at Vanguard and applied for a position as an assistant trader that I fully knew that you know what, this is something I could see myself doing for the next 25, 30 years. I felt like this just the dynamics of trading uh, just got my juices going. And as, as someone who was, a, who was an athlete, um, a lot of the kind of adrenaline rushes you would get when you were competing, I found I got the same kind of sensations when I was working on a trading desk. You know, there were incredible wins and there were disappointments and you had to get over the disappointments quick. And so it just... I just felt like this is something I love to do and I had great passion for. So I would say, you know, it wasn't until I got to Vanguard and started working on the desk that I, I really felt like this is this is my calling. Great to hear about the Villanova. I think Georgetown would have been a better choice. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so hey, my, my daughter is just finishing up her masters at Georgetown. So I've got I've got feet in both camps. Oh, awesome! What program do you mind He's doing a, a master's in, uh, in in marketing, and she's going to graduate like in in like a month. So, 
we have Hoya memorabilia in this house too, not just Villanova Wildcat stuff. <laughs> So you know, Vanguard just happened to be a um, so one of the people that I used to run against, a, a guy named Jim Norris. Jim happened to work at Vanguard, and so you know, you're you're in your early twenties, you're kind of trying to figure out where you want to work. And he was like, hey, I work for this company, Vanguard, which at the time I knew very little about. And he said, would you, uh, you want me to drop your resume off? So that's kind of how I started, um, you know, at Vanguard. It wasn't like I moved, you know, to another state. It just happened to be a company that worked, that had its offices were, you know, 20 minutes, half hour from where I lived in, in outside Philadelphia. So I, that's, uh, I interviewed there and, um, you know, I knew very little about the company. I, I was like any anyone starting out in their career. I start scrambling the week before my interview to figure out. Let me find out what I can what I can about about this company Vanguard, and of course, learned about you know passive investing. Learned about Mr. Bogle, uh, Mr. Brennan, who was kind of uh, senior here at the time. Kind of um, learned about uh, you know just about what they offered, what services they offered, what mutual funds. And, uh, and then I went and interviewed and unfortunately I, uh, I got the position. So my initial position was just an entry level type phone position. So I just, it was, it was actually a good way to learn about what Vanguard offered and what, um, so you got to kind of, you know, whoever called, they, they might be looking for a prospectus. They might be looking for IRA information. They might be looking for tax information. So it was a good way to kind of learn the business. So I kind of did that for a couple of years. And then I applied for a position uh, on the trading desk uh, after maybe two and a half years and was fortunate enough to uh, to get accepted. And at that point, we were relatively small. We had maybe 30 billion in assets and about 20, 25 funds at the time. And it was a, it was a relatively small group of people, maybe 10, 12 people. Uh, you know, today we're up to 4 trillion in assets in on, on the desk. And, um, you know, 24 people here in the U.S. Um, and then in the U.K., we have, uh, you know, about 15 or so traders. And then in Australia, about the same. So it's a, it's a much bigger operation today. So that's kind of how I ended up at Vanguard. But it's it's come a long way from the Vanguard that I started with today. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel like that's something Vanguard loves to talk about as well, how they have that insane amount of assets under management you know four trillion is a, is a lot um, yeah well four trillion uh is just the on the what we manage on our desk our total assets for vanguard are actually over seven trillion right now so it it is a big number yeah it's, yeah. it's a big number but you know it's it has never been the goal uh, i'll be honest it's it's always been like hey let's let's try and offer world class kind of products for shareholders you know mutual funds and etfs and the assets are just, you know, that's just the results of, of what you're offering to clients that they're they're buying into it. And so Vanguard's philosophy of low cost diversified funds has just has 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 managed to attract, you know, the attention of a lot of investors. So that's why, you know, 25 million or so investors today invest with Vanguard. Exactly. So, you know, you spending uh, a long career at Vanguard. 
how have you personally seen the exponential growth of of the company, the firm? Um, yeah. You know, as it's raising more assets, like how how does how does the company change? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the good thing is that there are certain aspects of the company, obviously, that have changed. I mean, the, the number of employees is 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 you know has has blown. We've gone from a couple of thousand people when I started to you know probably today in excess of sixteen thousand people. And we've gone from just having a presence here in Malvern, Pennsylvania, to now having offices uh, in uh, in the U.S. in in still in Malvern, but also in in Scottsdale and uh, uh, Charlotte, as well as internationally, U.K., Australia, and then some offices uh, even further afield. So that the footprint is bigger, but a lot of the um, I would say a lot of the beliefs are, are are what they were when I started. You know, like. In terms of our philosophy about investing, you know, we're, you know, investing for the long term, uh, the importance of costs, how costs play into the whole equation, and um, you know how passive investing is just a very powerful way for people to meet their goals, whether they are, you know, saving, uh, you know, for a for a house, whether it's putting kids through college, whether it's for retirement, whatever the case may be. So those things have changed the same, but I think just you know. When I look at at Vanguard today, you know, it just we started off. There were two or three buildings when I started off, and now we have this huge campus, and uh, just the footprint is bigger. But a lot of the the core beliefs are very, very similar. Like I remember from very early on, it was always like, "Hey, our compass should always be let's do what's in the right interest of clients," and that's still still the case today. That, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great to hear. So I hear you starting to talk about, you know, how the investing mindset and the target audience has kind of changed over time. So can you talk a little bit more about what that Vanguard mindset of investing Sure. So, you know, it, 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 it's funny because it really was kind of brought home to me earlier on this year when um, we had all of this activity around retail stocks, GameStop, and, and all these names back in January and February. And um, I knew it was something was different when I had my my younger sons asking me about it. You know how how do how do you how do you open an account so you can trade? Because all their friends were interested in trading the GameStops, and I I was trying to explain to them that that is not investing, right? That is to me that is is kind of gambling with stocks. So this in and out of stocks in the course of a day. So that is the absolute antithesis to what Vanguard is about. So Vanguard, in terms of our philosophy, it's you know, we think about five-year, 10-year, 20-year time horizons in terms of investing, right? Putting money away, like like you guys, you're young in college now. You probably think, I'm never going to be retired, but you are going to be retired at some point. And so, um, you know, putting money away, like as soon as you guys start to work, the importance of compounding and getting money into your, whether it's 403Bs or 401Ks, whatever it might be, you'd be amazed that if you have time on your side and you have 20, 30 years of compounding, even like, you know, 6%, 7% returns compounded is going to make a massive difference down the road. So Vanguard definitely has this sense of like, hey, if you're investing, it should be, you shouldn't be thinking about investing for six months. Forget about investing for a day like some of the folks who were, who were uh, involved in GameStop. You should be thinking like really long term. And then, and then the question is, what should you be investing in? And obviously, huge fans of passive investing indexing because of the benefits of it, which are diversification, low cost, low turnover, 
and just the fact that passive investing funds tend to outperform over the long term. So when you are outperforming 80% of your peers, um, that's probably not a bad to be on that side of the equation is, is, is a good thing. And there, there are occasionally active managers who will outperform the benchmark, but there are very, very few who will do it consistently over a number of years. So if you can get the return of the benchmark, um, you're going to do better than most investors over t- over time, especially when you factor in, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, our average expense ratio is about 10 basis points at Vanguard. And some of the funds, I mean, the largest fund I have, total stock market, has an expense ratio of four basis points. So that's that's pretty low. And, you know, if you think about it, for four basis points, you can get the return of the total crisp index fund. And in fact, we've been able to even eat into that four basis points expense ratio. So what investors have been getting has been even even more than that. Uh, so they've been we've been able to eat into that expense ratio a little bit. So if you can get low cost, low and uh, good diversification, I think that's a good way to invest for some of your long term goals. Yeah. Yeah. So I assume all of our comments from Las Vegas. So I assume I won't be finding Vanguard on the street. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. No, no, I, I don't think. Uh, although I, I will say that there are. Uh, there are some some of the traders on the desk who uh, once in a while, if there's when things are normal, like NCAA basketball and things like that, they have been known to maybe go out there for a few days or during March Madness. But uh, from an investment point of view, yeah, very different to that mindset. Okay, okay. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I feel like you're you're describing it very explicitly. But what is like the vi- like the Vanguard mindset of investing? Yeah. So. Um, I think, first of all, it would be, you know, hey, let's, you, you have to think long term, right? You have to think, um, you know, for investing, you know, uh, you, you know, you want to be thinking like multiple years down the road. But then, you know, the question comes, well, what, what should you be investing in? And, and we're huge fans of, you know, low cost, diversified, either mutual funds or ETFs. And, you know, most of the funds that we offer, um, if you think about it, um, you know, before we launch an ETF, for example, it has to pass certain criteria. And things that we look at are, you know, is there investment merit in the strategy that we're looking at? Are investors looking for this type of exposure? And can we offer a world-class product? And are we able to go? To, are we able to do it at a low-cost option? So, if we can answer yes to all of those, there's a good chance that we're going to launch an ETF or a mutual fund. And that's kind of why it's been a kind of steady as it goes type type processor. So you're not going to see Vanguard, I think, offering a lot of kind of fad type ETFs that are just happen to be cool at the moment. If it doesn't have investment merit, likelihood is that we're not going to offer it. So it's just, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it is a little boring if you think about it. Hey, low cost, diversified funds, um, you know, it doesn't sound super exciting, but over time, that has been a phenomenal way for people to invest. And so that's what we encourage. And it's it's been good because even I would say back in March when things got really uh, rocky with the markets in Mar- March of, of 2020, when volatility, you know, in the market, you know, dropped like, you know, 30, 40 percent, um, most Vanguard investors stuck with their investments. And so that's a great thing because there would be nothing worse than it. You can imagine an investor getting out back in March of 2020. They missed 80, 90 percent on the upside if they, you know, if they stuck with it. So the importance kind of of just staying with it, even 
blocking out the noise, not listening too much to what commentators are saying is, is really important. So I think that's, that's part of what, what the Vanguard philosophy is as well, to think really long term. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, it's, uh, I feel like that's a, it's a really unique way of looking at it because, you know, um, I feel like some firms look at, you know, high risk, high volatility trading as more yeah. something that's, that's more sexy compared to, you know, the it consistent is. 6% yearly yeah. growth. Um, yeah. And I mean, the market has been, I mean, 6% would be super conservative, but if we look, you know, over the next 10 years from where we are right now, I think Vanguard for U.S. domestic, we think like maybe 5% uh, on the international side, just because you're not starting from such a high level. I think maybe the returns we would expect a little higher than that. But, you know, the market has delivered incredible returns over the last, uh, you know, 10, 15 years, like north of 10%. So it's been it's been really good uh, to be an equity investor in this country. Yeah. Yeah. And I just uh, wanted to briefly mention, um, I believe I was listening to like a Warren Buffett speech and he was talking yeah. about like the consistency of the market and uh, he made a wager with uh, a select group of investors. And I think it yeah. was, if you can beat the market for like five or something years, I'll, I'll give yeah. you like a million dollars. Or if I just put this money towards an ETF fund. And yeah. I think at the towards the end of that uh, wager, I mean, it was quite obvious that Warren was going to win even after the 2008 yeah. financial crisis. And the great part of that wager was that it was the, the equity fund that he picked was the Vanguard Index 500 fund. Exactly. So that was, you know, that was that was a nice little <laughs> a little slap on the back. So Don Butler, who runs that fund for us, I think he he uh, he was pretty proud to hear that. Yeah, that was the fund that he picked. And um, yeah, it, it, I think it was a hedge fund manager who. who uh, so the 500 fund basically outperformed. And I think, uh, yeah, the million dollars was the bet. Yeah. But it is difficult to do. You know, when you think about an active manager, um, you know, for example, if I look at VTI, which is the ETF that that associated with total stock market, which which is 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 the largest fund we have at Vanguard. You know the expense ratio, as I mentioned earlier, is four basis points. The turnover in the fund tends to be less than ten percent on an annualized basis. So turnover, if you think about it, is the lesser of buys and sell over the course of the year divided by the average assets. The average active fund tends to have turnover in the you know north of 60 percent. So turnover is basically, you know, the costs associated with trading, they definitely are a headwind uh, when it comes to performance. So if you can have a passive investment with a low expense ratio and low turnover, those are massive hurdles that an active manager needs to overcome in order to get ahead of you. So we've been, uh, you know, those are the types of funds, those low cost index funds with low turnover are the types of funds that we offer. So they just, they've been a great vehicle for investments over time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah definitely.
have a little bit more risk tolerance. I should do a little more risk stuff. But I think it's important to still hone in on VPS and, and looking at the VPS. So can you go into a little bit more about that? Like how yeah. advice you give? Sure. So the advice I would give would be to start. That is the most important. Just get started. Even if it's just a small amount of money, just get started. And especially when you have the, the advantage of, of, of age being such young people, um, you know, if you can just, hey, let's put a little money away. And then if you can, you know, even better, if you can get an automatic investment plan. So it's whether it's every month or every quarter, you can put some money away. Phenomenal way to start. And then, you know, I would say with regard to VTI, you know, if you're looking, VTI basically is almost like a proxy for the entire U.S. stock market. So it's a combination of large cap, small cap, and mid cap. So if you just want, hey, I just want U.S. equity exposure, but I don't want to be worrying about large cap, and then I have to buy a small cap fund and maybe a mid cap. If you just want, I just want U.S. equity exposure, VTI is going to give you that. So the mutual fund itself has about 3,600 securities, and no surprise, you know, the biggest names in there are going to be Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, names like that. But then there are names down, when you get down to the bottom below kind of 3,000, that are names probably very, very, wouldn't be well-known names at all. But those are the names that are going to give you that kind of small cap and mid cap type of exposure. So, you know, over time, I would say, if you just want to keep it simple, and I just want U.S. equity exposure, VTI is going to give you that. And, you know, when you get, uh, you know, you can get that exposure for very, very, uh, low uh, cost. It's it's uh, four basis points for the Admiral share class. So it's it's um, it's able to give you that. And I would say the most important thing is to, is to just start. And then you will see over time kind of the power of compounding. And to the extent, you know, if there are areas of the market that you feel like, hey, I'm young, I can afford to take a little bit of a fly with, with, with something, you know, maybe on the margins, that's what you can do. But I would say as your core holding, I think it would make sense to consider something like VTI is like, this is kind of going to be the one that is going to be the, the kind of the engine to my investment success. But, you know, maybe I decide I want to add a little small cap value down the road or something over in, in, in whatever area that you feel like, hey, I'd like some exposure to this area, whether it's maybe something along ESG lines or something like that. I think if you, if you, if you think in that mindset, I think you're going to do quite well down the road. Yeah, definitely. I, I just want to point out, um, I started investing when I was like 16 years old. I opened yeah. an account under my mom's name and she let me sure. like use my own money to invest. And the first two uh, stocks or ETFs uh, that were in my portfolio were the Vanguard S&P 500 and uh, the VTI. So I just awesome. like, you know, I, as as you start investing, I think this is such a, a great way to to get started, yeah. and it gives you such like good exposure to the market as well. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Bogle, who founded Vanguard, he used to, you know, people used to always say, "What?" I, I much prefer just going with individual stocks. And he had an old saying: it was like, "Why look for the needle in the haystack when you can buy the whole haystack?" Right. So when you buy total stock market, you're buying the whole haystack. You're buying everything basically in the U.S. Right. So it gives you incredible diversification at low cost, and it's uh, it's just. You know, it's a fund that's uh, it's grown so well much over the years. And I think it's just because investors, they really understand that, hey, if I can get low diversification or, or uh, if I can get a lot of diversification, I should say, at low cost, that's that's a pretty good investment for me. So 
you know, great to hear that you've been in it that long. I'm, I'm sure it's grown a little since then. Yeah. And so uh, that, that's a great way to start. And at 16, is fantastic. That's great that your mom allowed you to do that. Yeah. Thank you, mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there's a lot of other uh, people who are starting or other firms to say who are starting to create ETFs. Um, yeah. Like, for example, Kathy Wood in art finance. Um, sure. Sure. These are more aggressive, innovative uh, ETFs. Uh, yeah. There's there's several out there as well. Like, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I can't think off the top of my head what the others yeah. were, but you know, there's other um, firms that are making these ETFs. Uh, how how did how did Vanguard become so popular to like the everyday American? Like, how did the VTI and the VOO become yeah. like household ETFs? Sure. Well, it wasn't always that way. Um, you know, it, I would say back in the early days when, when these five, I mean, we're always coming up on 20 year anniversary for when VTI started trading. But in, I remember, you know, in the early days when Gus Sauter, who ran our group coming into the trading room just to see what kind of volume was on the tape and like high fives were going up when it traded like 25,000 shares, you know, on a day. So that was and now it trades in the millions and millions of shares every day. So um, it wasn't a lot, but I think it was just, hey, if you can, um, you know, it's like I mentioned earlier, if you, if, if what you're offering has investment merit, and we have, we have teams at Vanguard that study that. So we have a portfolio review team that kind of looks at this in terms of, you know, new products that we're thinking about. And we have um, a lot of fantastic researchers that, that, that work on areas like that. And, you know, if you think that, hey, um, is this something that investors we think is going to uh, that investors are basically are looking for this type of exposure, whatever it might be. And are we going to be able to offer a world class product in this? And can we do it at low cost? If we can kind of check the box on all four of those, then we're going to this is going to be something that probably Vanguard would be interested in. If we think it's a fad like back in, you know, back in 2000 in in 2000, when internet was just going nuts, uh, I'm, re I'm, I'm thinking of your ages, you probably were not even born, but, uh, um, you know, people wanted anything that had .com on it, and they wanted internet funds that just, you know, all we're going to invest in is something that has .com on it, and, you know, that's not something we would ever consider. Um, you know, we would say, hey, there's really no investment merit to that, but uh, back then, it was, there weren't, there was tons of, you know, funds that were kind of they lasted for a few years and then probably went belly up. So I think, you know, Vanguard, as I mentioned, if it's got investment merit, we can do it at a low cost. And it's going to, um, you know, we think it's going to work with investors, then we're going to consider doing it. So I think that's kind of how it, how, and, and, and you know, investors, they also look at the performance. So when they're getting good performance, uh, some of our best advocates are other investors. So they tell their friends about, hey, I invested in this fund or ETF. And look what's happened to my performance, and I'm very happy about it. So word of mouth has been a huge way that Vanguard has managed to, to kind of sell over the years. You probably noticed we don't do a ton of advertising. Uh, we do more now than we used to do back in the day. But it's just if you have really, you know, investors who are happy with what you do, then they were, they're going to tell their friends, and their friends will tell their friends. And before you know it, you have this kind of a snowball effect where, you know, the assets really start to, to increase. I feel like that's like another example of uh, the compound effect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
I think it goes without saying we're in a pretty exceptional economic and market environment right now. Um, so I just want to know, you know, where do you think ETFs are going in the future? And if I'm going to play the other side here, you know, do you think that it's a bubble? That there's a bubble with ETFs? Um, yeah. What are you yeah. Yeah, so I think you know the, uh, the notion that ETFs are a bubble is 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 kind of um, it's a little distorting. More, it, it's ruining a, a bit of a misunderstanding about ETFs. So they simply are just a basket of securities that are going to offer you exposure to different segments of the market, right? So they're not like just a monolithic structure. So rather they're, they're like a structure, which means. You can invest in, you know, if you want large cap exposure, you want small cap, you want high yield if you're thinking about fixed income, treasuries, international stocks. So I would say if you think about it, less than 15% of the global uh, equity market is indexed today. So when I think about it, that means, you know, 85% is not indexed. So when people talk about bubbles and ETFs, I think, you know, I don't see it. Because I think so much of um, of, of 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 the of passive in, of you know of when you look at the market, so much of it is not passive related. So it's still in in kind of you would say non-passive. So I don't see. I mean, I will say that from from today's levels. I mean, we're pretty much at all-time highs in the market. I think the expectations maybe going forward should be a little more muted. But it's I you know I, I heard uh, on 60 Minutes. I watched it on Friday on uh, Sunday. And, um, you know, the head of the, of, of, of the Fed was on there and it was asked the same question. Hey, are we are we looking at a bubble? I think anybody who thinks that they can predict the bubble is probably not being totally honest with you. I mean, I would say, you know, expect probably that future returns are going to be a little more muted. But in terms of calling it a bubble, you know, there were people calling a bubble, you know, a year or two years ago. So it's just it's, it's something that that nobody, I think, can predict. So when you can't predict it, you just kind of you put it in place. You kind of you get your asset allocation, like for your age, what is appropriate in bonds and stocks and domestic international, and then just kind of set it and forget about it. And you know, trying to predict timing the market, like you know, even if you thought like, oh, I think the levels are really elevated right now, it's always a two. There's always two decisions to be made, right? If you do think you can time the market, well, maybe you get one leg of it right, so you get out. At a good time, but when do you get back in again? So there's there are certain people who maybe they get one part of that right, but in all my years, I've yet to meet somebody who can who can do that well, who can time the market. So, you know, it's it's not about timing the market; it's about time in the market. So I would say forget about in and out of the market and bubbles, and just put a plan in place and just block out the noise. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, yeah. I think and you it gets so easy. Like, right. sorry about that. Yeah. No, no, continue, continue. I was just saying, um, especially now that, you know, I'm a little bit more new to the finance realm, but you can drown in analyst recommendations or publications or thoughts and predictions and, you know, simplifying it like that, thinking, you know, time in the market, not time in the market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has a thought. And everyone is... Telling you do this, but not, not yeah, yeah. It it is hard, you know. Sometimes the best thing to do is just block the, all of that out, you know, and just um, and, and just know in your mind what it is that you're looking for, and and what you're, uh, you know, what you're, uh, 
you know, what your goals are and all of that other stuff. I mean, you know, if I think about it, you know, we're, we uh, at Vanguard, it's very difficult to own an individual stock because I work on a trading desk. So we have to, you know, go through compliance and a lot of different hurdles you have to go through before you would get the okay. So all I really own is mutual funds and ETFs. And I can't tell you like the number of times over the years where I, um, you know, thought like back in 2000 when I was like, oh man, I wish we could buy stock. Then I would have bought this stock or that stock. And it turned out that it was the best thing ever that I was not able to buy individual stocks because it was, um, you know, I would have got run over. You know, some of the stocks that I loved are no longer even stocks today. They've gone out of business. So um, mutual funds, ETFs are a great way to invest. And I think you uh, you really need to kind of block out a lot of the noise that you hear um, and, 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 and just know that, you know, people are paid for their opinions. So um, just know that that's, that's kind of what's going on, right? Yeah, yeah that, that's such a great quote. Um, love, yeah. love that quote. Um, yeah. So to anyone who's beginning to get into investing and just wants to, you know, dip their toe in the water, what, what advice would you give them? Or if your children were to ask you today, like, how, how would they start? Like, how could they start investing? What advice yeah. would you give them? So I would, uh, I think I mentioned a little earlier, I would say, you know, the most important thing is to just get started. Right. You have people who are just always like, well, I'm going to wait until the market sells off a little bit and then I'm going to get in. Just, you know, get dip your toe in the water. Just start, you know, even if it's just the minimum to get into a mutual fund, just start investing. And then obviously, you know, I'm probably a little biased because I work at Vanguard and just try and educate yourself about, you know, some of the basics of investing in terms of what role costs play in the in the equation. So um, and understanding low cost, passive investing, diversified funds, um, you know, it's not incredibly glamorous, but it is a great way to save. And, uh, you know, if you can start out as a teenager, you know, 20, 30 years from now, you'd be amazed, even a little investment. If you um, if you look at that and how it compounds over time, especially if you can add to it, you know, as you move through kind of the different stages of life, when you get you know, summer jobs and college, and then maybe you start your first job. And um, as you can kind of add to that, that can add up to some huge money down the roads. So it's, I would say just, you know, make this, pull the trigger, avoid, like, I, I would say, I wouldn't be a fan of, uh, you know, looking for individual stocks at a young age, I would look for low cost diversified funds when I'm starting out. And then maybe down the road, if you feel like, hey, I, I still have this additional money and I, I really like this company, I've done my research, maybe that's okay. But I would say as a core holding, I would look at a, uh, you know, having a, a diversified low cost approach. decided that 
he was going to take a portion of his 10,000 and invest it in Tesla stock at the time. And this is, this is going back a few years ago. So every now and again, he'll, he'll tell me, Hey dad, that, that Tesla investment, if I had made it, it would be worth, you know, this today. So it was a good kind of a lesson, I think, just in terms of how, you know, how, if you can just put a small amount and, and you do happen to get lucky. Um, but I, I, I've been trying to coach him that, Hey, you got lucky with that. Um, you know, you really ought to be thinking about more, a more diversified kind of mind frame, looking at, at low cost investments. So I think I've convinced them that, uh, you know, maybe, uh, the VTI might be the way to go going forward. Yeah. Totally, totally. Um, so for our readers out here, um, I'd love to know if you have any book recommendations. Like, I know it could be about something, it could be just a great little fiction book you read. Yeah, I mean, I just finished reading a book. Um, it was uh, called Endurance. I don't know if you've read it on uh, uh, on Shackleton uh, to the Antarctica, the South Pole. Just a phenomenal book on. Um, on just leadership, you know, just uh, if you think of this is kind of back in the early 1900s, just, you know, boats were not what they were to, are today. And these guys, you know, basically were going to try and be the first to make it to the South Pole. And um, just the the way that um, 27 men on a boat uh, that got stuck in the ice and then had to cross over 850 miles across ocean and ice and how they just made it and just, you know, the challenges they had and just lots of lessons, I think, just to be as, you know, someone who's who's working with with teams in terms of how you interact with each other and creating an environment where these guys knew that they had a mission and um, and resources. And even when things got really bad, like when they, you know, were totally soaked and uh, freezing and conditions were really harsh, how they hung in there together. Lots of lessons I think that anyone can pick up from 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 going through that type of an experience, and then in terms of just uh, trading, I would see um, you know Flash Boys was a, was a book that came out a few years ago um, that uh, we, we actually knew a couple of the guys that were involved in it, and uh, Brad and Ronan, and uh, just a good insight into kind of what goes on in, in market structure in the U.S. And um, it, it, that, that was an enjoyable read as well. So those those, uh, those are two books that come to mind. Um, obviously, you know, Mr. Bogle has plenty of books on the advantages of indexes over the years, common sense on mutual funds and common sense on investing that are very good. And um, our for, former chairman, Jack Brennan, actually is coming out with a new book uh, next, I think it's next month on investing, common, uh, you know, that, that I think would be worth uh, taking a look at as well. So Lots of lots of good books out there. Um, the thing with you know what I do is that there's so much. I'm surrounded by so much information every day between you know four terminals around me and Bloomberg's and articles from uh, researchers and it's it's sometimes nice just to get away with a book uh, to get away from it. But uh, there's no shortage of great material out there right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mr. O'Reilly. We greatly appreciate you coming and just speaking to us. This is yeah. really an honor. It, it, uh, you're very, very welcome. I mean, it was great. I, I did the uh, the conference you guys had a, a few weeks back. Uh, it was great to be a part of that. And I would say, um, you know, some fantastic questions here today. And 
happy to answer any questions you know you guys might have just fire me an email or whatever but uh really enjoyed interacting with you both and, and wish you both well the rest of your college career and who knows down the road we may, we may see each other in the business uh world maybe even at vanguard Thank you. Thank you. Have a lot of great. You're very welcome.